HSBC Arena in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. All right, welcome to the seventh episode of the Don't Tell Me, Just Tweet It pod, hosted by me, Slap Ryan. Follow me on Twitter and Darden23, and then follow the, the Twitter account at Just Tweet It pod. That's at Just Tweet It pod. It's actually down right now, which is why I couldn't send out the link to see if you guys want to see, send any live topics, questions, anything you want us to cover. But um, seventh episode, we got Pookie the God back on. Um, I think you've been on the past three or four episodes, so you've been hearing, you know, the past couple episodes if you've been following and what we've been saying. So I think we left off two weeks ago with the Heat-Lakers matchup, the finals, and we're back again. Um, I'll let you kick it off. Like, obviously, the Lakers won the championship. My squad, excited about that. Um, but what were your biggest takeaways? I'll let you uh, start it off. Yeah, I think I think the biggest takeaway I think was Rajon Rondo um, from that series. Rajon Rondo and KCP. Um, you already kind of know um, what LeBron was going to do, and you kind of kind of knew what um, AD was going to do. But I think Rondo's basketball IQ throughout the series was I think huge, particularly in those possessions LeBron could take off. I think that's how you had a fresh LeBron. I think LeBron shot like what fifty nine percent of that series. So I think a big part of that was Rondo doing an excellent job running the uh, offense, and then KCP. I mean, you're a KCP stand. I mean, you know, I understood the KCP hate, but he was just hitting kind of clutch shots. I mean, he had those rainbow three-pointers, and um, I think that was huge throughout the series. But then kind of from Miami's perspective, um, I gained a lot of respect from Jimmy Butler. Um, I mean, he was initiating the offense, particularly earlier on in the series, and he was matching up with LeBron on the defensive end. And so, like, that's – like. Um, Jimmy Butler's like series told me a lot more about Jimmy Butler versus Kevin Durant's back-to-back final MVPs. Um, so, um, Jimmy Butler, I think, you know, best player in that series. So, I mean, he was really impressive to watch. Yeah, definitely. I got to give my props to Jimmy Butler. I always respected his game. Um, like, you know, when he bounced around, you know, he said he's a locker room cancer, whatever, you know, this and that. You know, I never believed in any of that stuff about him. You know, the Carl Anthony Towns beef, that was kind of funny to me. Um, but he had that chip on his shoulder. Like, he actually, I think we said it a couple episodes ago, you know, before the bubble even went down, he didn't even invite any of his family. You know, he said he was on a business trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know, like, where he ranks as a player. Um, like, you know, top, you know, top 10, 15, 20-wise, when you want to talk about that. I don't think he's in my top 10. Um, yeah. I do think, you know, when you just got a straight-up baller. Like, like we said, you know, in the circumstances you're in, I think we said this maybe the first episode going to the bubble. You know, you're in a uh, AAU environment, you know, when it's just hoops. You're in a hotel lobby with a NBA court, you know, who's going to be the dog. And Jimmy Butler was that dog. Um, obviously, but my Lakers, you know, we shut him down. We both said Lakers in six. Um, you know, I want some big money off that game, uh, the whole series, Lakers winning it. But, yeah, you know, um, the whole thing with the Lakers, you know, it was who's going to be that third scorer for us. Obviously, we know AD and LeBron are going to get theirs. Um, and, you know, Casey Peel's that guy for us. You know, third leading scorer, uh, you know, had the most threes for us, you know, throughout the playoffs. And the thing about the Lakers, you know, Vogel gave him props for making that switch, you know, moving AD to the five, which he doesn't like to play, and bringing Curse onto the starting lineup. So you could kind of see, you know, at the beginning of the game, you know, how much – you know, defensive intensity we bring, you know, when we have 
those all those guys on the floor. If you look at the Lakers roster, you know, from the jump, you know, if you want to start with Amy Bradley, who didn't even play, you know, in the whole playoffs, who opted out, um, still going to get his ring. Uh, shout out to him. But <clears throat> like I was saying, the whole, all the Lakers guards are defensive players first. So Amy Bradley, defensive mindset, you know, he can hit the three, but he's a defensive player. Same with Caruso, defense first. You know, he's a hustle player. Um, you know, going to get in your grill, rebounder, uh, you know, stealing the ball, pressing the, pressing your guards up and down the court. And then you got Rondo. I would say, you know, obviously Rondo can run the offense and everything, but Rondo's still a defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, and then KCP, a true two-way guard who really showed his value, you know, this whole throughout the playoffs. And especially with A.B. Bradley out, that's when I was telling a lot of people, you know, I was like, watch what KCP does, you know, the series and throughout the playoffs. You know, he was going to get his shots. First of all, you know, with AD and LeBron, you know, you're going to have all the defensive, you know, pulling and rotating to them, which is going to leave your shooters open. Obviously, Danny Green was not hitting his shots, and KCP was. I mean, I think – actually, you know, I think they were shot – you know, when everything was said and done, they shot similar percentage. But obviously, KCP was that guy, you know, clutch moments. Big shots, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't really surprised, especially with, you know – um, Kobe passing earlier this year. I just feel, felt like the Lakers were it was destined for them to win. So, mm-hmm. see my squad got the 17th ring. Uh, you know, competing with the Celtics, and it was cool to see Rondo. You know, get a, a ring with the Celtics and the Lakers. So I really became a huge Rondo fan the past actually like six or seven years. I wasn't a huge fan of him. Um, you know, with the with the Celtics in its early years, and then you know with the Pelicans, now with the Lakers. You know, I I, I really like Rondo. Um, but anything else you got to say about that series, about the playoffs in NBA? Yeah, anything in the playoffs in general. I think we talked about it, and I think, you know, we were confident in the Lakers because of, I think, their team atmosphere. I mean, their whole group and their whole organization. Um, so I think right. it was I think that was annoying seeing it on Twitter, you know, hey, Jared Dudley doesn't reserve a, deserve a ring and Kuzma doesn't deserve a ring. And you kind of hate seeing that stuff, um, particularly even though guys may not see a middle on the floor, you know, you know, J.R. Smith, um, you know, Jared Dudley, as I mentioned earlier, even Dwight Howard and um, JaVale McGee didn't play big minutes in the finals, but those guys are helping the team. I mean, they're helping them point out things, helping them point out matchups and stuff. So they certainly deserve a ring as well as I think to put their egos to a side. So it's annoying to see some of that stuff on the sideline. But even though you kind of talk about, you know, in the finals, you want a seven, eight man rotation, but it legitimately takes, you know, 15 guys on your team to bring good energy as well as the entire coaching staff. So, I mean, that was a true, I think, kind of organizational um, championship. 100%. And like we said too, um, I think it was like three or four episodes ago, you know, the team that's going to win is the team that has the most camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that came down to the Lakers and the Heat. You look at the Heat team, you know, that team is – they're pretty tight. I mean, that team is really close. Um, obviously, the Lakers are really close. And you hear about all the NBA players, you know, that are on the Lakers, are in the Heat, well, even those players are saying it, you know, how much of a mental toll, you know, playing that bubble really took on them. You know, mm-hmm. putting these grown men in hotels, you know, running them three, four games a week. Um and like I said, you know, it's just kind of come down to the team that, you know, gels the most, likes being around each other. Like we said, it's going to be that AAU kind of youth ball atmosphere. And the Lakers, like you said, you know, Quinn Cook, um, Dudley, guys like that, you know, even though Kuzman really didn't show out in the finals, but saying he doesn't deserve a ring, those are the guys that are pushing them in practice, mm-hmm. like every day. Like your practice squad deserves just as much of a ring as your starters do. So a lot of people won't 
really see that and see the value in that. Um, but those are mostly guys that haven't played sports before. <laughs> you know, like those are mostly people that haven't been on a team and doesn't understand how the entire team is important. So, you know, I mean, those are kind of losers on Twitter for a reason. But, you know, it's a little bit annoying, particularly when you get that, you know, those retweets of, you know, like, you know, thousand retweets plus on, hey, this guy doesn't deserve a ring. I mean, I think that's kind of trash fandom. 100%. It just shows you, too, like who really knows what they're talking about. Who knows, you know what's good and what's not, especially, you know, a lot of people are saying early in the year too, you know, oh, Crusoe's a trash. I don't see the hype around him, blah, blah, blah. He's only hyped because he's bald and white. I was like, nah, just actually watch the dude play. And I was saying this years ago, man, I was watching him on South Bay, the Jude League squad, because um, we got him from the Thunder when he was at A&M. But he was all over the court and the way he plays defense too. Like if you watch, if you watch those series and those games and, I haven't seen anyone check Damian Lillard like that in a while. I've never seen really anyone getting Harden and Westbrook's real consistently like that uh, and not foul. And that's the thing. He doesn't really foul a lot, um, you know, the, the way he plays defense. But, you know, we're just going to see everyone, you know, get their ring. Um, I really wasn't surprised, you know, how everything went down. Uh, but eventually, like I said, you know, hopefully we run it back next year. I really do want to resign a lot of the team. You know, bringing back Caruso, KCP, Danny Green. Uh, shoot. He can go to Captain if you ask. Yeah, he can step. <laughs> Dwight Howard. I mean, I'd love to bring him back for the low. Mm-hmm. And Boogie Cousins, I don't know. It might be time for him to bounce. But like I said, you know, the whole roster was just set up to play defense up and down, you know, from point guard to center. Defense wins championships. 100%. Shoot, so I guess we can get into uh, NFL. So your Falcons finally won a football game. Uh, I think it's week five, so I guess you don't talk about uh, – Dan Quinn got fired since the last time we talked, so I guess talk about how your Falcons are looking and how their future looks. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if we were talking about – I know we were talking about moves with Julio and Matt Ryan, but I, were, I think we were talking about uh, Dan Quinn getting fired, but he's gone. Uh, TD's gone. Thomas Dimitrov, he's gone too. Uh, and I think, I don't know, like, obviously, you know, this year, people, a lot of people are going to say the year's over. I'm the biggest optimist in the world. Um, <laughs> ask all my Falcons fans, my fellow Falcons fans. Shoot. The Colts started 0 5 a couple of years ago and made the playoffs. So I'm not going to count anything out. But like I said, we are still pretty bad. Um, up and down the up and down in the roster, but it was good to see every everyone show out. Finally, put four quarters together, another forty piece. Like I said, we put up numbers too, and I got Calvin Ridley and Julio and Hayden Hurst on my fantasy team. So everyone balled out. Everyone got a touchdown. It's good to see us get a you know a dub, and then AJ Terrell finally back. I was telling people, I was telling them, man. I told him, I mean, everyone's like, oh, he's a reach, not a first rounder, blah blah blah. He's playing – he's the best rookie in that draft class. Yeah, no, I was – well, I don't know about the best rookie, but I know the best DB because I was actually looking before um, – we. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean best rookie, sorry. Yeah, but, I meant best DB. But we hopped on the PFF, like, in him versus Akuda, like, that went, like, third over. I don't know I butchered his name. Like, his numbers are so much better. I thought that was a reach, but you were telling me, I mean, he's going to be legit um, from the draft and even through, like, the preseason stuff. So, I mean, you've been right on that pick as well. Yeah, he definitely got cooked a couple times. And, yeah, I'm going to say I didn't mean – Best rookie in the uh, draft at all. Didn't mean that at all. But the best DB, I mean, he's playing like it, too. Got his first pick. Uh, you know, he missed two games because of the Rona. And those are two games, you know, we really, really, really could have used him. So, 
it was finally good to see. And, you know, Kirk Cousins, uh, <laughs> not the best. We picked him off three times. You know, our defense is trash still. Um, but Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are playing like, you know, some top receivers. Yeah, I thought they were going to get a little bit of fall off with uh, Stefan Diggs. And I know all those guys from the LSU team, you know, it was kind of hard for me to say, hey, those guys are going to be good because everyone on that team was good. So, you know, you couldn't key up a matchup on anyone. But, like, I think the more and more we see, like, these guys ball out, even I think the guy, uh, I forget his name, but, like, the running back for the Chiefs, I think he balled out um, yesterday. That LSU team is, was really, really good. And I didn't realize how good it was until seeing some of these guys ball on Sunday. Right. Yo, that's what I, remember. Yo, remember I was telling you too. Like, I was telling everyone this. That LSU team was, first of all, true. They had the best quarterback. Like I said, I think I already I already ran through this before, but they had the best quarterback wide receiver combo of all time. Yeah. Touchdown receiving yards wise, like it was OD. And then you see the running game. Um, I think they had a couple of linemen get drafted too. And then I think we both said, obviously, you know, Joe Burrow has the talent, but we weren't sure how he was going to play this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, his roster and everything. I think he threw for, like, 300 yards last week, but no touchdowns. He was still putting up the yards. He definitely impressed me, um, but still, you know, on a trash team. So, it's been interesting to see, you know, everyone on the LSU roster pan out. And that's what I was saying, you know, with A.J. Terrell. You know, he got beat, yeah, for a couple touchdowns here and there. Um, you know, he gave up a good amount of yards. But you watch the whole game. He had a lot of plays where he was strapping them. Mm. Obviously, you know, you give Joe Burrow, you know, seven, eight, eight seconds in the pocket, and he's going to tear you apart. Um, you know, he made a couple of throws that, you know, just were – he was beat on. But A.J. Terrell didn't play terrible, you know, in that uh, national championship. Yeah. And they forget, they forget he picked off Tua – and Jerry Judy in the national championship or pick six the year before that. So I think people really don't, if they don't watch football, they don't understand it in context. You know, AJ Terrell was by far Clemson's best corner. So he's put on an Island a lot. You know, he didn't have a lot of safety help. So, you know, and that's one of the things is kind of scheme versus performance. You know, he was put on an island. So that was a really tough matchup versus like, it wasn't like he was getting beat with safety help. I mean, he's getting beat by himself. I mean, against two bona fide first round draft picks, I mean, Jamar Chase is going to be a top 10 right. draft. I mean, exactly. That's a tough matchup exactly. for 60 minutes with no help. So, um, but I was off on him, but still, I mean, you were right on. Um, so kudos to you. Oh, no. Even though, like, I was saying too, like, in that game, he was getting beat, but like, you kind of see where, you know, he has that dog in him where he was fighting back. So, like, if you actually – people watch that whole tape. Like, if you're going to be like that, a lot of corners are just going to fold, you know. And the thing about him, he's physical. I think he had, like, eight tackles last game, and then the week before that had, like, eight or nine. He can tackle as a corner. And that's what we needed. He was physical, fast. Um, like I said, he doesn't need to work on his some of his one-on-one, but he's just been, you know – that guy so far really been impressed. Um, how about the Ravens? You guys, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say squeeze them. Now, yeah, I like, had a pretty good game I, towards the end, but you know, I had the Ravens uh, the highest in my pick and confidence. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I was confident y'all were going to finish that game out. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about the Ravens, and I know that kind of seems, you know, so the Falcons are one and five, and the Ravens are five and one. Um, but I mean, I don't feel confident about the Ravens at all. Um, right now, I feel as though they are a good team that's playing mediocre, that's played a bunch of really bad teams. I mean, just quickly running through the schedule, I mean, the Browns are a decent team, but I mean, it was the first first time head coach with no kind of COVID offseason, so no preseason, stuff like that. 
Um, Texans, they handled them, but at the same time, they were kind of in a mutiny mode against Bill O'Brien. They got embarrassed against the Chiefs. I mean, it was only a 14-point game, but that game was not close. Um, They played the Redskins, who are a terrible team. They played the Bengals, who are a terrible team. And they played the Eagles, who are a terrible team. Um, So I think right now the Ravens are looking like a team that isn't executing at a high level. Um, It seems as though, particularly offensively, um, they're a team that is able to take advantage of other teams' mistakes. Um, which you certainly need to do in the NFL, but I haven't seen too much of, you know, um, good defense, even better offense. And you're going to run into issues um, with teams so far. And seeing that Eagles game, you know, this is kind of a perfect time for a bye week. But, you know, they have some challenging games coming up. I mean, the Steelers are a playoff team. The Colts probably a playoff team. The Patriots will game, game playing well. The Titans are a good team. I mean, the Steelers are a good team. So um, we're really going to find about the Ravens in the month of November. Um, that's going to be a tough schedule. Um, but I hate to say it about Lamar, but, you know, it seems crazy, particularly because he's 24 and four. But is Lamar Jackson the James Harden of the NFL? Dang. Like he puts up the kind of the regular season numbers. And he kind of, you know, where you zig, where you zag, we're kind of like game plan. We're yeah, hard to game like plan. He'll get you through he, uh, the regular season. Yeah, game, but when team teams are against them, it's like if they can stop this, they get stopped. And once again, is Lamar Jackson's the best Ravens player I've ever seen in my life, you know. But it's just, you know, I almost want to prep myself before I get my hopes too high. Um, but I was kind of thinking, like, would he be comp? Obviously, won the MVP. Obviously, will be hopefully will be, you know, stays healthy and be a Hall of Famer. But, you know, almost kind of has that James Harden essence where you, you can he'll put up the numbers kind of in those, like, not important games, but in those big games against good teams, it's a little harder. Yeah, I see where you come from, hundred uh, percent. I don't know; it's it's way too early to to call that on him yet. Um, dang, <laughs> I think I did see that too. I kind of thought about that. Um, I didn't think you would agree with that, honestly. So I'm kind of I mean- shocked. I mean, I love Lamar Jackson, but it's just, you know, like I have to, you have to set your expectations, you know, like kind of with Maryland football, if they win five games this year, I'm going to be happy as hell. Like, and so you just kind of need to set your expectations accordingly. I mean, Lamar Jackson is kind of, you know, much watch TV. I'm going to watch him every single Sunday or Monday or whenever they're playing. But at the same token, you kind of have to prep yourself. You know, I was kind of prepped for them to lose to the Titans last year. So being realistic, um, you know, it, it certainly helps you with your fandom. Cause I don't know how you can be optimistic at one and five, but I mean, you do it, but it sets yourself up. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it's just a, like a window. Like I feel like every team, um, you know, every group has a, a certain time frame, and obviously People think Lamar's windows now. I think, like, bro, shoot, the Chiefs are going to be competitive for a while. The Bills are going to be competitive for a while. Um, right now, for the next – until Big Ben retires, the Steelers are probably going to be competitive. Yeah, they look and good. And then there. as long as Derrick Henry has a line, I mean, right there, those are all four or five teams that all can beat each other, I think, on any given Sunday. When you get into the playoffs, if the Chiefs can game plan – well, if the Bills can game plan against – the Titans, I think they can beat them. The Bills game plan against you guys. But I think you guys also got the right matchup, you know, on the right day with the Chiefs, you can beat them. So I think those four or five, you know, year in, year out, you know, it's going to come down to those four or five teams. And if, like I said, you know, Lamar won the MVP. Um, and if he doesn't get that ring or he doesn't get to that game, like I said, the Ravens fans are going to be fed up. But I think he's going against quality competition. 
Uh, he played, I think, two NFC East teams, and that that division is doo doo. But oh no, no, I mean, I mean, like uh, in general, like in oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like through his career, he's like like blown out expectations by far the best quarterback in his class. But you know, you kind of have to put that ceiling. Okay, like is he just kind of a guy that's gonna put up crazy numbers, almost a Deshaun Watson esque kind of type guy, where it's like okay, he'll make a couple of Pro Bowlers. You know, he'll be super exciting to watch, but you know, he may not get that kind of big time championship unless he has a really good defense. And I mean, the Ravens have won two Super Bowls with. Um, way worse quarterbacks and really good defenses. So um, we kind of may not be in that quite that Patrick Mahomes kind of um, Russell Wilson territory. I will say I, I watch every Ravens game this year so far. Um, compared to last year, I think the play calling has been like strange to me. Like, like just in general, like the team I watched last year and then like the team you guys are like the offense you're running now, I'm pretty sure you guys are the same OC, right? Yeah, and, and we talked about that. I think, you know, we were talking about, I think one of the most exciting things about the Ravens going to years that we had the ba- same offensive coordinator and same defensive um, coordinator. Um, but I think something that's not talked about enough is Hayden Hurst. Um, you know, I know he necessarily didn't have a lot of co- catches last year, but I think that really helped him in terms of the scheme that they're running, being able to run those three tight end sets. And even though he necessarily didn't get a lot of targets, but, you know, he was a fast guy that you had to cover. Um, so it's like I would like the kind of the Ravens to be active at the traded line. You know, we were talking about windows, you know, particularly as an athletic quarterback. You know, you don't have as long as a window and kind of as a true back uh, drop back passer. Um, so I would like to I can't, am talking about A.B. Um, I guess A.B. has his legal issues. I would like to pull him in um, once again is. And also I would like them to maybe kind of put a flyer on in terms of, I think, Nick Joku, um, the tight end, mm. even Browns. Uh, yeah, he wants to get traded. Yeah, if we could like get him for maybe a fourth round or a fifth round pick. Um in terms of getting another big body tight end, that's kind of what Lamar likes and he's comfortable with it. Um, once again, it's kind of you do have the window and I say, hey, with this team, you should want to push the chips in the middle. So I would maybe like them to get a tight end guy or um, just in the kind of another weapon for that offense. Um, and we're coming together. Um, and at the same time, you don't mess with chemistry. But at the same token, there are only so many years that you can do this and you can't expect your whole team to be healthy year in and year out. Um, so it's been nice to see JK get a little bit more burn and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm a little bit worried about this Ravens team. And, you know, I think the next month or so will be big coming off the bye week. Yeah, 100%. We're going to see uh, how good that team is, especially, like you said, you know, that schedule come up back half of the year. So, I mean, way to take advantage of the first half of your schedule so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing like the <laughs> – like you said, NFC East, you know, looking like trash. But uh, QB-wise, like I said, that whole division <laughs> is just trash right now. Like quarterback play, uh, defensive play. I mean, I would say, honestly, I think the Redskins might have the best defense in that division. Yeah, I mean, they have – I think they have a really good matchup with that defensive line. And I think they have – I think Kendall Fuller, like I was, you know – good counsel product. Um, like I was looking at some stats and like, I think he has like four interceptions thus far in a year coming off of winning the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. So I think the Redskins defense is really good. Um, and I think kind of, and it was really kind of interesting, kind of Dwayne Haskins, you know, kind of, he was committed to Maryland. So I kind of followed him a bit. Then he, he committed obviously with Ohio state. Um, but I didn't really understand that benching there um, for the Washington football team, um, particularly when you're going to Kyle Allen um, and Alex Smith with one leg. Um, so particularly a guy like Kyle Allen, you know, I think he had had the second most turnovers in football last year under Jameis Winston, um, but he played a lot less games and a lot less snaps. Um, it was funny seeing people like when the benching initially happened saying, hey, he was Ron Rivera's guy because he drafted him. No, Kyle Allen went undrafted. 
Um, he never started in college. I mean, he got beat out by Ken Hill and um, Kyler Murray. Then he transferred to Houston and I think got beat up by Derek King and then went to the NFL. It went undrafted. So um, you, you kind of feel bad for Dwayne Haskins there, particularly saying, hey, you need to do better. I think that Ravens game, he passed for over 300 yards, um, had no interceptions. And I think as a defensive minded head coach, all you can ask for a quarterback is not to turn the ball over. Um, but particularly, I think Haskins looked like a guy that just wasn't comfortable out there. I mean, they have a suspect offensive line. Um, he had a lame duck um, head coach last year. Um, and he looked like it's a guy that didn't get into the rhythm of it, you know, having the COVID offseason, um, not getting that rhythm with your um, wide receivers and stuff. So you kind of feel bad for him because I think, you know, this is just kind of organizational mismanagement. Um, you know, you see the Redskins mismanaged. Um, um, RG3, you see how they mismanaged Kirk Cousins a bit um, leaving. So um, you feel bad for the guy, um, but at the same token, it's like, you know, you do have to play better, but I, I still don't understand the benching um, at all. Yeah, I would definitely – dang, I didn't know that those facts about uh, Kyle Allen. <laughs> Show me some facts right there. I didn't know that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously I think it's going to look like the Washington football team are going to be moving on from Haskins, especially the way that went down. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard there was some like internal issues locker room wise. Um, and yeah, I don't know why, like, you know, they're so hyped on Kyle Allen. Like he's actually like good or anything like that. Um, they got rid of Colt McCoy, right? Yeah. I don't know. Who he's back. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and the, they didn't even suit him up for the game. So they sent him home. You're sending Kyle Allen out there. Uh, and then, and then you have, um, what's his name? Alex Smith, you know, with one leg as his backup. I have any other quarterbacks out there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think they're really serious about winning football games. I don't know. And then you saw the way the game ended last week with the Giants. Uh, the Chiefs defense, like, and you know, you could. I don't think they really care about winning games. Yeah, and yeah, and that's where it's like, and I feel like some of the times, you know, like head coaches and particularly a guy like Ron Rivera, they get caught up so much in terms of you know you got to do it a certain way, you got to kind of have a face on you and stuff like that. Like I remember, like I sucked in football, high school, but like I remember, like one of my high school football coaches hated that I was smiling. Like I meant you some of these times, like these coaches get caught up on some of these things in terms of the small things outside of talent. And it, and it's sometimes frustrating, particularly for a young quarterback. Cause I think Dwayne Haskins to be really good. I mean, he beat out Joe Burrow at Ohio state for a reason. Um, and he's still younger than him. So it's a little bit disappointing for him. Um, kind of, <laughs> um, so I mean, you would like to see him get into another kind of location, another kind of team, but I don't see what team he really makes better. Um, so hopefully he can get his head on straight and kind of not let this kind of bother him because he still is young and he still has the opportunity to be a great career. But, you know, I don't really understand what's going on in Washington right now. Yeah, I was going to say uh, two things about the Haskins thing. Uh, one, I know there's obviously a couple uh, – history where it's happened to and it's been great but nowadays i don't think it's a good thing to get drafted to a team in your hometown mm-hmm. um i think well first of all the redskins didn't even really like want him like that and then um there's been like katie doesn't want to play for the wizards uh aaron hernandez when he went back to the patriots uh you know he had some issues so for uh ever meyer you know he's like don't go back don't go back home so we try to keep him on campus as much as possible. Um, I don't even say, like, because you're going to get in trouble or anything like that. But there's distractions, uh, you know. Yeah, there's so many distractions. Like, and like like you said, you know, he needs to get out, you know, where he's in a football, just straight football mindset. I feel like he kind of got, like, caught up in the hype a little bit. Um, you know, big expectations on his shoulders coming back home. You're the city's quarterback. Like, you know, when he's out in Ohio, you know, he's just playing ball. Yeah. 
like you said, start over Joe Burrow. But I was going to say vice versa. How do you think uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow feels or maybe like Irv Meyer or anyone else that had, you know, Dwayne Haskins over Burrow? And maybe you could have Burrow at a high state when a natty. Like, you know, Burrow transfers when it's a Heisman. But Joe Burrow day. wasn't good that first year at LSU. That's that's where like that Joe Burrow had a jump in. I think that's particularly it's more of a story in versus a town of you know working hard, getting that rip. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't that good that first year at LSU. So, I mean, Joe Burrow worked exceptionally hard to get better. Um, so and I, and I, I guess it's not really that big of a difference from natural arm talent. I think Joe Burrow also had maybe some knee injuries that kind of pushed him back um, at Ohio State. Kind of don't quote me on that. But, you know, I think Urban Meyer is a good coach. So I feel like he would have the best quarterback out there. So I do think at that point in time, Dwayne Haskins kind of was the better quarterback. But I think that is the important things of kind of getting a guy that works hard and breakdowns film and stuff like that. So I've never seen Dwayne Haskins. I've never been in the Washington football team, like, you know, front office or kind of like film room or something like that. But that could be as simple as simple. Joe Burrow worked on his mistakes better. So he improved a lot more from that point in time than Dwayne Haskins. And so maybe that's some of the stuff that um, Ron Rivera didn't see that maybe, hey, Dwayne Haskins wasn't, you know, kind of being in the playbook or, hey, he wasn't kind of breaking down film like he's like to. So don't have that visibility. So that's pure speculation. But that might have been that point in time difference that allowed Joe Burrow to get, you know, obviously Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, stuff like that. This may be holding back Dwayne Haskins. Facts, facts. I agree with that. I see it both ways, too. Um, like I think in the spring game, I think Joe Burrow, like, numbers-wise, I'm pretty sure he put up, like, pretty good – like, I think he had better stats than Haskins. Um, like you said, Haskins probably was the better – maybe might have been the better option at the time. But I still think Joe Burrow was just, like, always been a baller, too. Like, you know, he was um, – wasn't he Mr. Ohio? Yeah, I mean, he was, like – Like, I think he – like you said, he might have had some setbacks here and there, but – especially, we you know, being a fifth year, um, you know, registering that one year and then getting a second year in the offense. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to run an offense your first year as a quarterback. So that I would say that is kind of expected, but you have seen, you know, players make that leap. So being your fifth year in college, um, you're older and you're, you know, you're with that roster too. Um, yeah, he, like you said, you know, he was set up for a success. Like Dwayne Haskins threw for 50 touchdowns as a sophomore in college. Like, yeah, that was like in a in particularly in Urban Meyer, I mean, he's always been run first, you know, in, in that offense, and they right. had a talented back. And, and big, yeah, big ten. Yeah, so I mean, like, so he was a break, and so I mean, it's disappointing to see that you know guy that not balled out, but it's like he balled out too. So um, I mean, he was a lot better um, than Joe Burrow was, and Joe Burrow was his. Um, kind of, I'm trying to pull up his stats that his junior year at LSU, but um, you know, I think that he was better at that point in time. But it's important to always work work hard and not stay on your laurels because people that you were better than may pass you. Um, if you come. Right. Yeah. I, get that. I think Joe Burrow only threw for 16 touchdowns the same year. Um, Dwayne Haskins threw for 50. Dang. So, That's crazy. Did, did Burrow start all? Yeah. Like you're like he, uh, he's, I don't remember hearing anything. Yeah. About him. That's what I'm he was mid, like, um, <laughs> like he started 13 games, um, had a less than 60% um, passing percentage. Um, you know, only I think was seven and a half yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. And the next year um, I'm going to start 15 games, had um, 60 touchdowns versus six interceptions. So I mean, Joe Burrow had a leap, like a, leap. a crazy. Yeah. Dang. That's insane. But, yeah, good for him. Like you said, you know, hard work pays off. It's good to see, you know, him showing out in the NFL. Looks like a good pick. 
Um, so we're talking about some younger QBs. The older QBs, uh, you know, like Brady, Breeze, Rivers right now. Um, how do you say the older QBs? Um, I think I think it's time for them to be taken back for a couple of them. Um, I think I don't know, like I'm like I guess how you optimistic about the Falcons. I'm optimistic about Jameis Winston. Um, I don't know <laughs> for for whatever reason I really do like Jameis. I think he'd be an improvement in New Orleans. I think Breeze's arm is done, um, and I think even kind of going back to Lamar Jackson conversation, you can kind of dink and dunk to get it through the playoffs. I mean, going to the regular season, um, but as you get into the playoffs, like you're going to be able to stretch the field, particularly when you have that talent on that Saints team. So. Um, you may want to go to Jameis, but at the same time, you know, after he got his LASIK, you know, he may not throw as many picks. Um, I always wasn't high on Phillip Rivers. I think that Colts team is really talented around him. Um, I think they came back and won last time, but, you know, um, I think they even talked about him where he would be going to uh, where they would maybe, if the Jets were really bad and got um, Lawrence kind of getting uh, Sam Darnold to go to, Indianapolis, and I think that would be huge. I mean, Frank Rick, um, another UMD alum, uh, UMD quarterback. I mean, he was like instrumental in Carson Wentz balling that year, and Carson Wentz kind of stinks now. So it would be nice to kind of get a young quarterback in um, Indianapolis because, I mean, they have a really good um, coaching staff as well as a good team around them. Um, and then Brady, I think he's been mid. Um, I think Tampa Bay has one of the best kind of offensive weapons like in the NFL, and Brady hasn't been that good. But Brady hasn't been putting up big numbers for a while, but they put it on the receivers. But he has like um, um, it's Mike uh, Mike Evans, and then I think I think Chris Goodwin, um, or I think that's his name. Uh, uh, but yeah, like he has real time, but and he hasn't been that good. So I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, he won't lose you games, but he certainly is not an elite kind of pro ball quarterback anymore. Yeah, I would say, shoot, Drew Brees definitely cooked. That arm is, uh, it's hard to watch that. You know, as a quarterback, a former quarterback, <laughs> you could tell. And then people are asking too, like, first of all, they're like, oh, they're using Taysom Hill so much, blah, blah, blah. I was saying too, they're using Taysom Hill a lot, but there's a reason yeah. for that. There's a reason. Your play John Payton's at the practice every day. He's seeing, you know, I don't Drew Brees even really throws that much in practice anymore. Like his arm, like he has so many limited reps that the fact that using Taysom Hill on a third down and, you know, inside your, I think they were inside like 30 one time. That tells you a lot. And like you said, I think it, shoot, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, it's James time in New Orleans, but I don't really see him being a long-term fit there just because of like the way the fan base is, um, you know, they're going to want their, their prototypical quarterback. <laughs> Especially if he's not winning. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, I can see James maybe coming in and winning a couple games, you know, proving that, you know, he's worth it again and then getting mm-hmm. a deal. Um, Phil Rivers, like, yeah, like we said, yeah, he might be done. Um, dang, I was really thinking about Andrew Luck the other day. <laughs> I was like, man, I wonder if he ever thinks about yeah, He's that. good traveling the world, you know, not worry about COVID. And he, and he is paid, so, you know. Yeah, he's probably not even thinking about football. And then um, Brady, I would honestly – I wouldn't say I'm impressed, but I thought he would be playing a mm-hmm. lot worse. So I wouldn't say – out of those three, I think Brady's definitely playing the best. But like I said before, I mean, right now, who would you say is the best quarterback in the NFC South? Tom Brady. Oh, no, no, no. I, no, I would, no, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, Matt all right, Ryan. yeah. And I was trying, I, I like like you said too. It's it's that time. Like, shoot. I mean, 
Big Ben still kicking it, so I would say maybe him too. But you think about the season vets that have thrown for yards consistently year in, year out, there's mm-hmm. not many. Like, you know, you also you have your young guys that are great. Um, you know, your Sean Watson, Sean Watson's, um, Mahomes, um, I guess you say, you know, Lamar in there. And then you got your season vets. Um, you know, it's Rodgers, Matt Ryan, no order either. Rodgers, Matt Ryan, um, Russell Wilson. Who else am I missing that puts up yards consistently? Oh, uh, and Matt Stafford. So you got, you know, your three, four guys that, you know, put up yards consistently that aren't old, that aren't old, old and then aren't yeah. young. So you think about your top quarterbacks in the league right now, like I said, you know, Sure. People got to start thinking about Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan. You know, like I said, I've been telling people it's about that time where the calendar just rotates. You know, you got it's just their season best. You know, they do it year in, year out. Puts up four thousand yards, ten years in a row. Like it's that time he's taken over. So that's why I'm so high on the Falcons. So disappointed the way we started this year. But that's why I also think you know there's a possibility we can make a run with the roster we have. Yeah, I mean, you're all, if you're able to consistently put up points, you can beat anybody. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the things is kind of getting that new head coaching staff and it'd be kind of that, like, injection to that. Press start, yeah. And that's why, sure. All right, so imagine if Falcons win, you know, maybe just one or two of those games and we're sitting at 500. Then, like I said, we're looking, man, like those those leads we just blew really just killed our mm-hmm. whole season. Um. And then, like I said, you know, we were talking about moving pieces with the Falcons just because, you know, bringing in a new coach, you know, even um, Arthur Blank, he even said Matt Ryan's time isn't um, – it isn't promised in Atlanta, you know, after his contract. So, you know, you get you get a new coach, you give him the ropes, you say, hey, go find your guy. If you like your guy here, let's run with him. If not, you know, hey, let's go draft the guy and let's get him. But you're the new coach. We give you what you want. Um, like you said, you know, and it gets a praise. All the players are fresh start. You know, they have something new to fight for. Like I said, you bring in. I don't think we're going to be in place for uh, Trevor Justin Lawrence, but Fields. maybe we have a chance at Justice Fields. Yeah, like imagine that vibe. You know, you get a Georgia boy back. Um, you know, this would obviously be three years from now when he's starting. Yeah, I don't think he will start over Matt Ryan his last year in his contract. Um, they move Matt Ryan because because t- the team would pay at least a second for Matt Ryan. And- well, that's the thing too. That's the thing too, I was going to say. Imagine if Matt Ryan was on the Colts or that's what I'm 49ers. like. That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like even Matt Ryan, Is Shanahan is in. Oh my! I'm gonna just like just Shanahan. offer Mike Shanahan or not, you know, Kyle Shanahan the bag. Like please come back. Like please. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Like honestly, I, I haven't even thought about that. Because I always saw like I was like, dang, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get it together, so what's the name? This backup looks yeah. really good. Um, that one when they started coming back for the week, and I saw um Shannon and he was having fits on the sideline when Jimmy G was missing throws. But either what I would love to bring, uh, I hate Kyle Shanahan so much the way he played that game, though. He was breaking my heart again. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth it. No, we gotta move on. Don't bring him back. <laughs> don't move, don't don't move backwards, back but yeah, no, but yeah, and it's just even there. And I think one of the things I also touching on it's like it's so important for NFL guys to go to the right location. And so I think this is kind of a crazy stat, but I always think about like different ways to make the NFL better, particularly I think the draft process better. Like I would love like if there was some way like, cause you know how like NFL teams take like rookies off their boards for a variety of different reasons, you know, for getting in trouble and stuff like that. Like 
I would love it if like rookies could take NFL teams off their board. Like if they could like go through the like interview process, go. Yeah. Yeah. Like one to three teams just saying like, Hey, like I don't want to go there. Like. Shoot. If you're that good, you can. Like Exactly. Like it's like if Trevor Lawrence is seeing the jets and they see what they did to Sam Darnold and Sam Darnold was the consensus first round pick in that draft. Um, he went second. It's like, okay, they ruined his like first two, three years. And it's like, okay, like, I don't want that to happen to me. Um, and even think about like Lamar Jackson, it's like, you know, they talk about redrafts and I think Lamar Jackson would go first overall, obviously kind of winning that MVP, but you don't think he'd be the same Lamar Jackson in Cleveland, or you don't think he'd be the same Lamar Jackson and kind of the New York Giants. Um, it, it's always so big in terms of like the, like fit you are in terms of organization as well as in terms of the coaching staff. So. And that's what I was saying too. I was pretty high on uh, Justin Herbert coming out. Um, I was like, hey, if he gets drafted to the right team and end up with the Chargers, and I didn't even expect him to be starting right now. So I was like, hey, he's going to be sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, seasoned vet. Uh, you know, he's going to learn the ropes early as a rookie, get a lot of film in, sitting behind a pretty good defense. And obviously, you know, Darren James got hurt. Uh, and then Tyrod Taylor gets hurt. And he's throwing it to the fire. But that offense is good. Like, I mean, you had um, you had yeah. Mike Williams is a I think a top end kind of number two receiver, and then you have Keenan Allen, who's kind of that I think one of the most underrated number one receivers in the NFL, um, and then you have Eckler, um, I think who's one of the best pass catching kind of running backs in the NFL as well. Um, the last year, yeah, so um, that's just so much in terms of going to the right fit. Um, I'm kind of down on all Pac-12 players. I thought kind of you know Blaine Gabbert 2.0. Um, so like I was a little bit down on him, but kind of, he just went to the right, right organization as well as Anthony Lynn's a really good coach. Um, so he's kind of not one of those like, kind of like top tier coaches people like to talk about a lot. Um, but I think Anthony Lynn's a really good coach. Um, and I think kind of coming off this week, I think the news came out. Um, I think it was either today or yesterday that two will be starting coming off the, um, bye week. So we think about two starting two a time in Miami. I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's a good decision. Um, a lot of people are against it. Honestly, I think I might have would have done it um, last week. So mm, playing against the easy. Jets rather than playing against the Rams, going against uh, Aaron Donald. Um, but I think it was actually a good decision. Uh, obviously, you know Fitzpatrick, you know, he's playing pretty well. He's produced as a top ten quarterback so far. But I think someone said it before. They think it was pre pre planned. No matter what, you know, after that bye week. Or, right? Yeah, they they have a bye week this weekend in the Rams. Yeah, yeah. So after the bye week is pre-planned that he's going to start no matter where they're set at, and especially with you know being three and three, they got a shot at you know making playoffs. They got a shot mm-hmm. at winning the division. Um, you know, on a down year with the Patriots, and uh, obviously the Jets are just straight, straight trash. But they got a good shot. You know, Tua came in. I think he played pretty well. I don't think he threw too many times, but. I saw his PFF grade. It was pretty good. I think it was like 85, but I really didn't watch too much of that game. Um, but a lot of people are going to say it's, it's weird to bench Fitzpatrick right now, but I think he's cool with it. You know, if Tua comes in struggles a little bit, you know, Fitzpatrick's still hot, throw him right back in. But I think it's a point where, you know, a lot of these rookies, a lot of these young guys are playing mm-hmm. so well right away where, hey, maybe you can put up an extra 10 or 15 points, uh, maybe an extra touchdown in the first, first half or, you know, just extra extra boost here and there, you know, quarterback wise. Um, you know, a big play, you know, can really just lock you lock up some games as you saw last night with, you know, De- um DeAndre Hopkins. No, not DeAndre Hopkins. Who was that dude that caught that long bomb? Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um 
with Kyler Murray last night, that bomb. So maybe Tua can bring that, uh, you know, to a game and just put the game away early. So I think it's a good decision. Yeah, that, I think as long as it's a decision you're committed to, um, I think kind of Fitzpatrick. He had a really good quote, um, I think, earlier, just talking about, like, you know, the way that Carson Palmer helped him when he first got into the league. And so he's just always kind of paying it forward. Um, but at the same token, I think you have to be committed to Tua. Um, you think you don't want to be early in the season where it's like, and as long as like the locker room supports it, you know, you don't want to make the decision where, Hey, everyone was on Fitz magic and you're kind of pulling Tua from, you know, the front office or whatever. Um, but you know, you don't want to be in a situation. Oh, you lose two games, put back Fitzpatrick in, um, you know, Hey, I think he's relatively healthy. Um, I know that hip injury was kind of big. I had Tua QB one coming into the draft assuming that he was healthy. So um, you definitely want to go on and get him out there if he's healthy and if he's confident to kind of go and spin it because, you know, that could put you on a team where, hey, you're making the playoffs this year. Particularly, I think they're only a game back from the Bills because the Bills lost two in a row. So if it's like, okay, if Tua gives us the best opportunity to win, he's healthy, he's confident, certainly put him out there. Um, and I think that's even where you're seeing um, how, like, um, Justin Herbert's sprawling out. Um, and it's like, okay, I think Miami would say, hey, Tua's better than Herbert. Um, so, like – you would think you'd have to put him in there. I'd still probably would wait just simply because a guy coming off an injury, you want him to be super, super healthy. Um, but, you know, I do understand you're on a kind of playoff hunt and you want to do everything you can to win. Um, but actually kind of we were talking about the LSU receivers a bit and, and how I discounted um, Joe Burrow simply because he had so much talent to throw to. But um, I know we're not talking about college football quite yet, but seeing them uh, Bama boys that weren't starting last year, like balling out this year, um, I may have to put some of the same haircut I put on Joe Burrow as I put for Tua because, you know, Jerry Judy's not balling that much because I'm at the quarterback situation. But, you know, Henry Ruggs is balling. And I'm in, in the college football, I meant those Bama boys are still putting up points. So, but I'm excited to watch Tua on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Al- we can get to it a little bit later, but like on uh, college football, but Alabama's definitely yes. you. But uh, Dan, who were we just talking about? Um, Tua. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think it's um, a good time too because this might sound crazy. Um, correct me if I if I'm wrong. This is just completely insane to think, but I think right now compared to the games he's played in, the game might be slower for him right now. So you're going to a game where. There's just really no fans. The crowd mm. noise is limited. Um, the vibe, like, you know, he's played in national championships, SEC crowds, where, you know, SEC stadiums are bigger than NFL crowds. Um, you know, just crazy noise, uh, emotion, everything like that. Whereas, you know, you're playing in a quiet, quieter stadium. Um, and I think maybe just, like, the way some of these uh, – Steve Sarkeesian's game plan – I think was Sark there when he was there? I think he was. Or was it, it Loxley? Was Loxley, I think his sophomore year. Cause I think because Loxley's first year at Maryland was last year, which was his junior year. So it was Loxley his sophomore year. Okay, hundred percent. Yeah. Well I just think like the game maybe just right now it's slowed down to what you know it would be where you know he can mm-hmm. make those reads at the line. You can actually think, you can point out, you can talk to your team, you can talk to your linemen, literally, and they can hear you. So I think, you know, with the advantage of no crowd, it's a perfect time, you know, to. Yeah, and I think it's going to be super exciting to watch. I do like Brian Flores a lot in Miami. I think they overachieved a lot last year. um, And I think kind of they keep on bringing in talent. I I think they're going to be a really good team to watch. Um, So uh, it's exciting to watch two a time in Miami. Yeah, it's been an interesting year so far. The Bears have been mm-hmm. surprising so far. Um, this has surprised me. 
Uh, I think. I mean, we. I think we talked about the Bills a lot, like last pod, and then I think they lost the last next two games they played. Um, but I think that was. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it, they played the Chiefs and somebody else, so um, it's kind of hard to discount them a little too much yeah, about yeah. that. Um, but actually, who's my biggest surprise this year? I would say, um, um, I would say actually the Carolina Panthers are, I think, my biggest surprise here. Um, they're three and three this year. Um, Robbie Anderson has been balling. Um, so like kind of you know, he's kind of that true number one receiver down there. And Teddy Bridgewater, I was always slandering Teddy Bridgewater. Like he's not like kind of a true NFL like quarterback. He's kind of like Taylor realm where he's a replacement level, but he's been playing exceptionally well. Um, but actually, um, I owe an apology um, to the uh, Titans and by extension, the Ravens, because um, Ryan Tannehill has been really good. Obviously, King Henry is one of the best pure running backs in the NFL. Um, but I definitely thought Ryan Tannehill was kind of a fluke last year, um, and he didn't even put out that many points when they blew us out. But, um, I mean, he's been playing exceptionally well. And once again, is I think that's just in terms of being in the right space. I mean, I mean, he had struggles in Miami. I think he was hurt a lot. Um, and, you know, he had um, Adam Gase as his head coach. He gets a change of scenery, kind of a more talented team around him. He's out there balling. So, I mean, it's just really about, you know, NFL quarterbacks and NFL players in general going to the right location so they can, you know, show out their talent. So I've been pretty impressed by the Titans this year. For sure. Yeah, Tannehill definitely uh, proved his worth. Um, I've actually been surprised by the Steelers. I haven't really watched many of their games. I just seen the highlights and everything. I know they're undefeated. I agree with the Panthers. Definitely surprised with them as well. Um, but I do want to touch on the Texans. I'm not surprised yeah, not, at all. You know how they're playing. Yeah, not surprised at all. Like they right were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they were a team that like yeah, wasn't that good last year, even though they were kind of up on you know the Chiefs in the playoffs. Like it was very much like Deshaun Watson playing hero ball and DeAndre Hopkins kind of making big plays. But um, once they made that DeAndre Hopkins deal, I thought a you know they lost their best player, um, particularly JJ Watt. But I knew that was going to create problems in the locker room. And we even talked about a bit, kind of talk about the Lakers. You need kind of team camaraderie, and when you lose that camaraderie and you lose a star player like that, it's really really hard to replace. And they were that good outside of the top kind of Deshaun Watson um, and DeAndre Hopkins. Right. And yeah, and Deshaun Watson just playing out there by himself now. So like I said, like early in the year, I was like, watch, you're going to see Deshaun Watson. He's not going to, you know, produce mm-hmm. like everyone's expecting him to. I wouldn't say he's been playing bad, but like you said, you know, he has no weapons there. He has no help. Um, and I don't know. I feel like he should get out of Houston. Honestly. Yeah. If you, but, uh, most improved player, like he would just say, like overall, like not just team wise, you know, just individual. I mean, I probably still kind of put Ryan Tannehill um, in that impressive category. Like, I, I really was like, he's a mediocre quarterback at best. Um, um, so he's kind of been, I think, my biggest surprise this year. Um, but even I'll kind of just do a little bit more locally um, is kind of Marlon Humphrey. Um, so Marlon Humphrey is a guy obviously was kind of a pro bowl cornerback. I think he was all pro last year. Um, but I've been really like, I put like, I put Marlon Humphrey above Jalen Ramsey right now. Um, and kind of Jalen Ramsey was a bit of the cream of the crop of the kind of cornerbacks in NFL. Um, but I think Marlon Humphrey strips, like that is the, that is the best DB play in football because 
even like a guy that gets a lot of interceptions, yeah. that's typically because a quarterback's making a bad play. Like when he's stripping the ball, like, I mean, those guys are generally have good ball security. I don't know if it was Marlon Humphrey, but it was another guy. But even like when the Eagles scored, they kind of like stripped the ball. Um, and then someone else, the Eagles play recovered in the like end zone. But like those strips are always big plays. Um, and it's like really hard for a team. It's like, hey, you can throw the ball, get completed and still take the ball away. So I think Marlon Humphrey playing like a um, defensive player of the year. And then um, Patrick Queen, actually. Um, I was pretty high on Patrick Queen coming out um, as an undersized backer. I thought he would need to take some time to get bigger, get stronger, kind of deal with the kind of the NFL game. But I mean, I think he's kind of early lead on defensive rookie of the year. Um, so I kind of talk about the Ravens a bit more. And I guess that's who I've been watching most of but kind of Patrick Queen and uh, Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, yeah, Marlon Humphrey, like I said, he's one of my favorite corners to watch too, especially because, you know, that Marlon Punch. punch. What's he call it? Fruit Punch. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he's nice. Um, most improved or impressed with. Um, dang. Uh, I would mm. say Josh Allen. Like, even though, shoot, I would say, you know, the throws he's been making, he, I, I saw a lot of drop passes last night. The weather wasn't great. He did miss a lot of throws, but I think he's really came around, you know, what people have been saying about him last year. Um, you saw the throw he made yeah. to Stephon Diggs last night. Like, obviously, that was a crazy catch, great catch, uh, crazy toe drag, but that ball was just put in the right spot. I think he hit uh, John Brown right in the face one time. Um, he hit someone else right in the hands on the third down. But, you know, I'm really not too high about almost quarterbacks, you know, out of, like, smaller schools just because I don't think like, you know, I hate to say it, but like, you know, competition wise, like read wise, they're not, you know, they don't have the progressions, you know, as most quarterbacks do as like, you know, a Tua does compared to Carson mm-hmm. Wentz coming out of college. Um, you know, you might be seeing that with Carson Wentz now. Um, and like I said, I know a lot of people had Trey Lance, yeah. that guy. Yeah, I don't know, I know, him, like, pretty high boards too. I think he's pretty good too, but I mean, mm-hmm. Josh Allen just really impressive. So I think one of the things I've kind of been overhanging against this season a lot is kind of the COVID impacts. Um, we saw kind of games get pushed around and, you know, bye weeks get pushed around a bit. Um, and one of the things is kind of in general is even that, like, when players get COVID, um, I think Cam Newton got COVID, and I think this was the first game back for him um, due to, like, locker room shutdowns. They had two practices in two weeks or something like that. And, you know, he didn't look good against the Broncos, and the Broncos aren't a really good team, but, you know, you don't know the impacts on COVID. I mean, you may not test positive for COVID or not have COVID in your system anymore, but like you still have like, you know, lingering effects. So um, yeah, I know we talked about kind of, is this an asterisk season? Um, I still wouldn't put it in the asterisk season category, but like that's because of they had flexibility to move games around, but as you get later into the season, you'll lose that flexibility. So like, do you still think this will be an asterisk season? Like by the end of it? Sure. I can, if I'm a Ravens fan, you know, I can definitely say, you know, let's wait, let's point it out. You know, it's not an asterisk, but <laughs> look at it from, like, a Falcons point of view. We had, uh, like I said, our first-round draft pick, starting cornerback, missed two games. Um, obviously, our secondary is trash, but we missed games where backup quarterbacks were just throwing on us. Like, every quarterback, I think, that played against us besides Kirk Cousins ended up winning, like, an NFC Player of the Week or Player of the Week for their division. Yeah, so, we, I mean, it was Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. Um, their game was Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles, Foles like, took over, like, like mid-game. 
Yeah, he took over the game. Um, but I'm pretty sure he won conference player of the, of the week that week. Um, wait, give me a second. So, yeah, Russell Wilson won it. Um, Dak won it. I'm not, I can't remember if Wilson won it, but like I said, he came back, put up some stats. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers just tore up with his G League team. And then uh, Teddy Bridgewater tore us up. And then uh, Kirk Cousins was the only one that, you know, we actually stopped and made look bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we had two – well, AJ Terrell got it, and then we actually had Marlon Davidson got it. He he was our uh, defensive tackle that we drafted. So we had two rookies miss out, miss games because of it. Starting rook, starting cornerback, like I said, CB one. Um, and I just think I don't know. Like, if you're a Patriots fan, you're like, hey, Cam Newton, our starting quarterback. It, it's not like it's an injury. It's not like it's mm. no a suspension either. So I would say there will never be a season where you have guys missing games because of something like this. So that's the only reason why I'm saying, you know, it's an asterisk season. And because, like, you know, we started off so bad. And I was just, you know, <laughs> right. I was some in the A season ready for the Lakers to win it. But, I, I mean, I just – I feel like there has to be an asterisk on the season just because of the way everything's played, the game's getting moved around. But then again, you know, it's – hey, if the players want to play, let them play. You know, it's any given Sunday, show up, we'll play you in a parking lot. Um, so in that case, if you're just playing and everyone's fine, then, you know, there's a case. I think the, the big thing will be you know, the Asher season about the playoffs. Um, you know, I think right now looking kind of at the NFL standings, like I think the teams that are no disrespect to the Falcons, the teams that are supposed to make it are going to make it. Um, but like obviously of a time where like, you know, it was actually Nick Saban um, get the run out in like two days, but you know, Right. Yeah. I was not surprised. Like, yeah. came out there's that. no way against Georgia, too. So, yeah, you'll see, particularly, in, it's going to be big when it gets to the like playoffs. Like, you know, you don't want a game like Patrick Mahomes is out or Lamar Jackson is out or Tom Brady is out. You definitely have an asterisk season. Right. But, like, exactly. I think in the regular season, I think, like, I think the good teams or the championship contending teams do have a plus or minus two wins where it's like, okay, if they drop from 12 and four to 10 and six, like, they still would be in it. You know, so um, I think it's pretty much like by the time the playoffs, like I would wouldn't hate like a, a a semi bubble, and kind of what I mean by like a semi bubble is like when you get to the playoffs, like you know you'll have every team stay in like a team hotel or something like that, because like you can kind of like mess around with the like regular season, but when playoffs are playoffs, and like as long as the playoffs are like not too much COVID or like not COVID on the key players, like it's not an asterisk season, but if you're having star players miss the playoff games, uh, it, it, it might be a asterisk game or an asterisk. Definitely. Right. That's what I'm saying too. Like, so imagine like guys like, you know, Lamar, uh, let's see who else, Lamar, Josh Allen, Mahomes, like say they don't miss games or anything like that, but I'm sure you wouldn't feel confident. You know, if you guys yeah. were missing like Marlon Humphrey or if you guys were missing, um, yeah, Mark Andrews, um, like maybe like not your star star player, but you know a key piece to that defense or your offense. But you know, I mean, we'll just see how it plays out. Like you said too, I think the, you know the better teams are proving their worth right now and showing you. So I mean, the Falcons are still a bad team. Um, we really don't have any other excuses. So that's the only reason why you know I'm I'm so cool with calling it asterisk. <laughs> yeah, uh... and trying to get that draft pick. But then again, you know, it could have really happened to any other team. So what if, you know, Alvin Kamara got it 
Um, you know, I wish to, I don't wish it on anyone, obviously, but that's just the way it is right now. It could happen to any team, and any team can make a run. So if you got other teams missing their key players, um, you know, the Bucks missed a couple players, or you know, their injury, you know, they they're hurting injury wise. So the Falcons can catch a couple games here. Um, you know, maybe get to five hundred without losing a game. Um, you know, getting to five and five. You know, then we can be aggressive. You know, the rest Should of the year. But we'll see. But um, last part of the the pod, you know, any uh, trades? I know you were talking about AB going to the Ravens. I definitely, you know, I would mm-hmm. love to see that. You know, give Lamar another weapon. Um, uh, you know, get him with Hollywood, the Florida boys back. Um, that'd be cool to see the Ravens. You know, do that. Um, uh, any moves from me, Falcons wise? You know, obviously I want any corner. So any corner, any starting corner in the NFL, you're better than the second third string in the Falcons, so we'll sign you. Um, you know, I'd love to get a corner. Offensive-wise, I think we're great. Um, but, you know, we can use any any defensive help. Uh, other teams-wise, you know, I would love to see – shoot. I think, the, like you said, the Colts are a good team, and I think they can make a run. Is I can't remember how long uh, – I think it's like one, one year 25 or one year 22. If it's one year, yeah, I'm looking. I'm telling at you, that's where that's you right get there. Sam Darnold to the Colts if they get the, if they just get the top pick. Like that'd be. Or shoot, imagine if they are just mm, like Davis that could be another good fit for him long term as well. So like the Colts are like the team on like a precipice. Like if they kind of get that like a winning signal caller versus kind of a league average, like I think they have an opportunity to kind of make that jump because like he is not Philip Rivers has not looked good this year, and nor did he look good at the end of last year. Like, I'm pulling up his stats now. Like, um, the Colts record lost two games. I think they're four and two. Like, I think his best game thus far was against the Cincinnati, where he had three touchdowns, one interceptions. Every other game for the rest of the year that his, you know, he either threw one touchdown or he had, like, that was the only multi touchdown game of the year. I'm never a game. He also threw, like, two interceptions. Um, and the week before that against Cleveland, like zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Well, I think Phillip Rivers is washed, um, and I think they definitely kind of need to get like a, a good quarterback because that Colts team is good. Um, I think top to bottom, they're better than the t- Titans, I'd almost want to say. Um, but like they definitely need to get like a bona fide starting quarterback there. Yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. Like you said, you know, they, every team has that window. Like the guy, like you said, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks made that move with uh, getting Tom Brady. So I feel like the, both those teams are kind of in a similar position, you know, not too far apart. So that would be cool to see. And definitely, you know, AB, he'll have that uh, suspension. I mean, that's why, you know, I would have signed him, you know, right away. That why I think he's serving. I don't know. I can't even. I think he's serving it currently. Like, I think so. I think that's oh, what the really? report says. Like, hey, like, because I think, like, and once again, as you know, Twitter reporters, like, but, like, I think it's something, like, where the Ravens were going to look at him during the bye week. Um, because, like, I think he's, like, he will miss the first eight games of the NFL season and then come back versus being someone coming back. But um, you never know with um, Cadell's um, policies and stuff. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was he misses eight games when he gets reinstated or if he just automatically misses the first eight games. So that's definitely different. So, with the Big Ten coming back and, you know, kind of Big 12 and SEC in full swing, um, did you watch college football at all? 
Yeah. Um, obviously, big Gator fan. Uh, the game this week got postponed, obviously, because of the Rona. And then we blew up, blew another lead to um, A&M. That was tough to watch. First loss of the season, actually, for them. But um, the game last week, Georgia-LSU, really wasn't surprised about – I mean, sorry, Georgia-Alabama. Um, I would say Mac Jones has actually impressed me a lot this year. Uh, I think he's made a big jump from last year. Um, yeah, no, I was – Georgia confuses me. So, actually, I, I really like Matt Jones because I even thought, like, the freshman they were getting at a matter of day would kind of jump him. But, you know, I feel like I could yeah. be offensive coordinator for Bam. Like, you know, just the way that they're flying out there. And, and Najee Harris is just looking like a dog. Like, I was surprised he didn't come out last year. But, I mean, he just looks good. Um, and I think he's getting a little bit better out the backfield. But um, I think the two biggest two teams I'm looking at is our three teams, and SEC is one, um, Georgia. Georgia just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's crazy how talented Georgia is top to bottom, and they have a doo-doo-ass quarterback, like, and it's keeping away from all the talent that they have. Um, I don't know how you can be, like, a head SEC coach and, like, be able to recruit all those five-star guys um, and then just have a juke six foot transfer I'm bigger than him you know being your starting quarterback uh, I know they got the transfer out of USC right. but you know you feel like you know in and that's even kind of we're talking about coaches like like not paying attention to talent enough and kind of giving guys that check the box more you know Justin Fields was better than Jake, Jake Fromm two years ago he's better than Jake Fromm last year better than Jake Fromm currently and you think how different that Georgia team looks like if they actually let Justin Fields start that year. I understand why he transferred now. I mean, he was balling at Ohio State last year. So, I mean, Georgia to have all that ta- town around them, like defense offensively and just having a, a doo-doo quarterback is just crazy. And then LSU, um, kind of a one-season one wonder. Um, you know, are they kind of a more talented version of that Auburn team that won, you know, the title a couple years ago, kind of in the SEC West? Um, you had a Heisman Trophy court winning quarterback, a guy that kind of actually bounced around a bit that transferred into the program, um, then balled out, and they had, like, issues kind of keeping that talent. Um, I knew that Mississippi State game would be a challenge, particularly with um, – I forget his name, but their star cornerback um, being sick with something. Um, but then they lost to Missouri um, last week. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about LSU. I mean, I like Ergeron. He's a good kind of energy guy. I mean, you know, like him getting interviewed and stuff like that. Um, but I'd be really concerned about LSU. Um, but, you know, and also it's been interesting seeing Lane Kiffin. I mean, you know, he, they lost and seeing the Pirate and they got shut out a lot. Um, but you know, the SEC is, I mean, by far the best um, conference in college football. Um, if it wasn't, if I didn't go to the University of Maryland, I don't think I'd even pay attention to the Big Ten. But I mean, it's been exciting to watch SEC, and it's been great, you know, being able to go from Saturday college football to you know Sunday uh, football to Monday football, and even had a Tuesday football. So um, it's good to be watching all of this football. Yeah, facts. I agree with that. Yeah, like Georgia, I don't feel bad for them at all. Uh, missing out on Justin Fields, uh, kind of like I said, same situation that I think the Saints are going to have. I think they're going to let Jameis walk, and they're going to regret that. Um, but with college football, yeah, man, hopefully the Gators, you know, we pulled back together. Um, Alabama's looking good. Mac Jones, like I said, I'm, I'm impressed with him. Yeah. I really thought that kid out of modern day was going to be playing by now. Um, but getting on Big Ten, I'm excited to watch Justin Fields play. Really excited <laughs> to watch that. Terps are back. Uh, I was looking at the yeah. lineup, the roster and everything, depth chart. Um, so that is, and so I unfortunately follow Maryland football, and because Maryland 
football sucks during the regular season. I followed them a lot in the offseason. Um, so, I mean, the wide receiving core is by far their best kind of um, team or best group. Um, I definitely think Rakeem Jarrett, kind of, you know, couple weeks he'll be starting um that's kind of just some of that coaches stuff like okay you have the leaders you have all upperclassmen and that is their best kind of group there um i think Tulia um will start hopefully um and you can take advantage of the options but if maryland loses at northwestern i may have to end it all you know like I, like i keep on convincing myself maryland's going to be that third team um or third or fourth team in the big ten east um you know behind um penn state ohio state and michigan and you know hopefully beating at least one of them per year um you have to be Northwestern. I mean, you've been out recruiting them, you out talent them. So I think that's gonna be a big game for Mike Loxley. I mean, they have a good recruiting class coming in, and you know, you think you'd be able to be excited being close to DC and stuff like that. So Maryland is a sleeping giant. I have convinced myself very late in the year that they will go over five hundred and go bowling. Um, if they do play bowl games or minor bowl games this year, but um it should be exciting to watch and just getting more college football the better. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you said too. Uh, it's like it's like really like I think it's like Tua then Leah. Like so, I, or that, that's how I've been pronouncing it. Hopefully, I oh, guess yeah, I'll, I'll watch Maryland play this weekend, and then I'll, hopefully he's starting, and then I'll, I'll figure out how to pronounce his name. But I think it's like Tua then Leah then putting two names together. Um, but I, and actually, and I think I think the transfer portal has been like the best thing that happened in college football. Like. Yeah, being able to kind of transfer right yeah, away, and you know, you know, guys like have a bad fit, and we we talked, we were just talking about Justin Fields not too long ago. You know, for a guy that he would have been sitting behind the bench, or you never know what he put a cane, but he was balling at Ohio State last year. I mean, Joe Burrow came out the transfer portal, an immediate transfer. So, um, I think kind of get, allowing guys get on campus, kind of try things out, and kind of hey, this isn't a good fit for me, and versus sitting on the bench, getting an opportunity to ball for a new team, I think help bring up talent across the board. I think even in the Kentucky game, they had a couple of transfers that were balling out as well so um i think the transfer portal has been something low-key one of the best things that happened in college football in the last couple of years yeah that's the best thing the ncaa has done in years maybe forever um you get that eligibility that's huge for teams like man that changes everything for a lot of players yeah i I bet a lot of players like formerly wish they had that so props to ncaa on that um, but yeah, it's it's about time Maryland turns around. Big big year for Locks, like you said, they've been whooping in the uh, recruiting game. So it's about time we see it pay off. And then uh, talking about recruiting, remember that uh, yeah, Damascus he's been balling for Clemson. One, uh, recruit brief. Yeah, bro, I was watching. The no, game. he's a dog. Yeah, like I really feel bad, game. particularly. I mean, he's like no disrespect to Moco Public School football, but it's not like it's like the WCAC, like or something like that, like. That must have sucked. Like, if you're just like a regular ass, like going to Sherwood High School, going to like like chemistry class, and oh, yeah, like, yeah, that must yeah, have yeah. been like, some serious. Kind. I think they also got like, I think their starting center or for Damascus um, was committed to Clemson too. So they had a couple ballers like on Damascus, and even um, I think the Terp starting running back is Jake Funk um, out of Damascus as well. Um, and I think he had he was bouncing back from a couple ACLs and was able to redshirt. So. Um, it should be exciting to watch. And it's always like, I've always like been excited to watch, you know, local high school guys kind of ball out from Maryland as well. Like seeing a different guy. I think Jordan Addison's a guy from Western Maryland that's been balling for Pittsburgh as well. So it's always been nice seeing some of these like Maryland products going out balling the next level. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I saw that Fonk's going to be starting. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that that Clemson team was. I mean, that Damascus team was stacked. I can't believe like Glenel actually had a close game with them, surprisingly. But um, yeah, OBC, good good to see uh the Big Ten back. Like I said, my Gators got to get back on track. Uh, but Kyle Trask mm-hmm. and Kyle Pitts, like I said, that's a deadly duo. No, I mean, I think it should but, be uh, interesting kind of getting college football in full swing and particularly how, like, teams are going to, like, rank them throughout the season. I mean, obviously the only thing that matters is the college football playoffs, but, you know, how are you going to rank maybe, like, particularly, like, in the SEC? Like, if you, like, have a SEC team that has oh, two losses that obviously yeah. has a better strength of schedule um, and played more games, I think the SEC is playing, what, 10 games or nine games or something versus, like, Pac-12 team that's only playing seven games. Like, how are you going to compare that or how are you going to kind of rank that out? So, I think that process is going to be really interesting. Um, But, you know, more college football, the better. 100%. So, I think what it is, I think it's it's seven, and there will be an eighth week. And for, like, the two best teams or the two best overall records – they will play in the conference championship and then the other teams will all play each other. So like, I think in total, it will be eight games, eight or nine games. Um, but it's like, they play like the full season and then they'll kind of have a championship week and then everyone will play, I guess, someone else they haven't played thus far. Uh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. It'll be an interesting year, but yeah, glad to see college football back. I'm glad they got it back. All right. That's all I had. All right, man. Thanks for all y'all tuning in. Like I said, seventh episode. Catch you on the next one. Uh, follow the account at Just Tweeted Pod. Right, but we appreciate y'all.